Mike one, Mike one. Isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Welcome to Did You America episode negative six. Uh, he's Jeremy. I'm Canfield. Uh, time for another one. Little roundup on how this Brit living in Texas is viewing uh, all things America Woo. today. I tell you what, I've been viewing. Well, less so viewing, more sniffing. Everybody, oh god, it finally happened. Candle day. By the way, I'm Canfield. He's Jeremy. Did I say that? I think you did. My enthusiasm to talk about scented candles is such that I've thrown out the format of this podcast. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care who we are. I got it. So, candle talk, the can- podcast. Candle talk. The- Maybe we should have just done that. Oh, we made a huge mistake. When we were scheming on how we could make a podcast that day in the taco place, and you said, well, you know, why don't we do something that plays on your love of America and me giving a perspective as a Brit living in the great state of Texas? I should have just gone. That's a great idea, Jeremy. But how about we just do a a podcast about candles? It was better than my idea of a podcast about Lady Gaga, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as good. No. Someone did tell me the other day that they uh, listened to a podcast uh, where someone who has never seen any Harry Potter movies reviews the books. I think they're a kid as they've read them with someone from the Harry Potter movies or something like that. Anyway, the point being that the person who told me about the existence of this podcast said that the audio quality on their podcast was even worse than the quality on ours before we realized we hadn't plugged the mics in. And I, <laughs> and I, I said, oh, so someone, because I think it's made with someone from the Harry Potter movies, so it's probably probably someone quite famous. Someone might want to point out to uh, Daniel Radcliffe, let's say, if it's him, <laughs> it was that him. I, actually you have to select the microphones on your laptop as well as plugging them in, and then you could have, you know, you could start sounding sexy like we do. Who would have thunk? <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Candle Day. I um, Now, there, I've got a bunch of friends. We've got a WhatsApp group for this because we are fans of scented candles, and uh, we like the the work of Bath and Body Works. Never pay the full candle price, which is twenty five dollars a time. And every so often, probably about once every month, they try and coax you in throughout the year. Bath and Body Works by going buy three get three three, or occasionally it's buy one get one free, but get twenty percent off. And there's always a deal. And sometimes they change it up, and I actually have to sit there with a calculator and go, no. Even <laughs> even though you've thrown percentages into this math equation, you're still not giving me a candle at less than 10 bucks per candle, which is I know what the price will be reduced to when once a year you do candle day, right? You're a way better consumer than I am. I'm obsessed with it. And I was starting to think that it was just me and the three other people in this WhatsApp group <laughs> until on Thursday... The email came out. Get ready. Candle day starts tomorrow. And they've been trying to throw us off the scent because they had only the week previous um, when it was uh, Thanksgiving done one of those, buy three candles, get this and such and such percentage off. And they'd done so many of these during COVID. I was starting to be concerned that there were more deals than usual and maybe they weren't going to do the candle day. But what they were actually doing was trying to make you buy a load of candles for cheap before and then still getting you back in for candle day. But I held out strong. I, I held out strong. I was running low on scented candles. I'm like, no, 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 I'm waiting for it. And then when the email came out saying tomorrow's the day, 
there was a sense of relief when I realized it wasn't just me and my three friends in the uh, WhatsApp group that are obsessed with this because it said candle day tomorrow, all candles, nine ninety five. Limit 18. Whoa. <laughs> like so, someone would actually go to Bath and Body Works and purchase 18 scented candles in one go because they know that this is the day that they are at their cheapest. I just love the person who had like 20 in their shopping cart and when they uh, had an error at the sh- uh, when they were trying to click to, you know, pay, they're like, what the hell? What's going on well, here? Well, I don't know if you would have got that far because the other thing I loved about Candle Day, not only were the, were the, were the deals great, and uh, I, they also had that I bought the Tis the Season candle which I, I like for the month of december um i went to the mall and there were two lines to get into bath and body works for, <laughs> for, for candle day but a great american service they were off they were operating those lines with military precision going into bath and body works on candle day for friday it was like going through the tsa there were <laughs> there were different members of staff assigned to different points in the two separate lines and they were all being very polite to you, like like TSA are. And unless, you, like, if you tried to get twenty candles, then that would have been like trying to go through TSA with a knife. Cavity search, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, did you just shove the nineteenth candle up your ass? You know, I did. <laughs> okay, we're gonna need to pull that out. It, we don't care where you carry it out of the store, but the limit is eighteen. It doesn't say on the on the flyer. It doesn't say eighteen candles and one shoved up your rectum. It's like, excuse me, sir, did you just fart the scent of apple pie? <laughs> yeah. So they got people that are working the line, and one person comes out and hands you the bags, and then someone else comes out and gives you the cardboard containers that you put the candles in to go into the bags, and then you get direct to them. It literally was like going through security at the airport, and it was the most efficient. And anyway, I went in there, and I bought my scented candles, and uh, I'm very, very happy with the purchases. Uh, the three of us on the WhatsApp group then sent each other an unboxing video. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the most millennial thing you've ever done. It really is the most millennial thing I've ever done. And it's the only thing that I unbox the, um, the, uh, the, the, the scented candles. So we were, uh, we were very, very um, happy with that. Um, because I, I turn, and you know, I, I do try and shop local and support small businesses. The other week, I went to a, a place in Deep Ellum, and they were selling uh, some scented candles. They had one called Christmas Morning, which smelled lovely until I spent eighteen dollars on that one candle, brought it home, lit it, and since I've been burning it, can't smell anything at all. That coincided with the same time that that story that if you can't smell stuff you've probably got COVID was going around. And and it particularly pointed out scented candles. So not only had I spent $18 on a scented candle that turned out to be crap, I was also concerned that it convinced me that I might have got COVID because (laughs) because when I picked it up in the store, it smelled lovely. But then when I brought it home and started burning it, I couldn't smell anything at all. I like how instead of going to get tested, you're like, well, I can't smell the candle. Clearly I have COVID. There's no other possible explanation. I don't want to sound irresponsible, but the first thing I thought was, don't go get tested for COVID. Got to get to Bath and Body Works for Candle Day <laughs> because I know I can smell their candles. Well, that's that's actually a big issue with scented candles, I feel like, is sometimes the smell of the unlit candle does not match the smell of the burning candle. So for someone like you who's shopping for 20 candles at once... 
what's uh what's like your strategy there like do you have a like a select flavors of candles that are your go-tos or do you like to change it up and try new I, ones I have, out? I have select go-tos and then um, I do a lot of sniffing of, <laughs> around the new produce to see. Oh, cocaine flavored candle. Right. Well, there was one called black tie. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that was one of the new ones that I got this time. Um, and then in our WhatsApp group, we have conferences on who's got new, because sometimes they get regionalized. Like my friend in Phoenix couldn't find the black tie, but she found black mahogany teakwood. I could only find Whoa. intense mahogany teakwood. Is this interesting to anyone else? How did, what are these names? <laughs> <laughs> um, and as a, as a guide, I always say the scented candles in Bath and Body Works that sound like they could be named after drag queens, great names, but the scents are too sweet. Like I like the idea that you can purchase a, a candle called Black Cherry Merlot. That would be a great drag queen. That scent, I mean, you would you 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 wouldn't stop stop smelling that food for years. I'm after still you smelling it. it, right? Exactly. So anyway, that was my um, exciting weekend. Candle day happened, and you know when you're waiting all year for it, and finally that email comes. It's like being a drug addict, and your dealer's calling you saying, "I'll be there in thirty minutes." When you're like, "Oh my god, it's tomorrow!" The nine ninety five candles. Like, you start Jones and scratching your neck. You know it's coming. Literally, literally, literally. Um, Jeremy's weekend uh, includes an update on I think we should just make this a regular segment that like, you're stretching out and just, just wincing <laughs> in pain just at the thought of telling me about this The uh, it's now the unofficial segment I hurt myself today which is basically an occasional segment of um, how screwed up Jeremy's 28 year old body is yeah it's uh, pretty sad when the the younger person on the podcast is constantly coming in like, I think I'm dying. What's wrong with if, me? If you'd have probably collapsed just with the amount of like bending over, picking up candles I did have over the weekend. <laughs> like the idea that you had to sort of arch your back and inhale at the same right. time, that would have, uh, your lungs would have collapsed. So they did. So last week we, uh, we talked about how I hurt myself in uh, <laughs> when I was rocking out during a long drive. And I casually mentioned that like, the left side of my body, which wasn't the side I heard in the card, started randomly hurting. That has progressively gotten worse. Right. So I was working out the other day and uh, something that my body is not used to. I was doing some push-ups. And as I went down on one, it, it something felt like I got stabbed in the side of my body. Extremely sharp pain. I immediately stopped working out. And uh, throughout the week, you know, I was hoping it would get better, but it has progressively gotten worse. Now, I don't go to doctors because I'm a, I may be a hypochondriac, but I'm also terrified of that they're going to tell me I'm going to die tomorrow. So I'd rather just not hear and I don't go. So I did some Googling and what I have found, I have the exact uh, symptoms for a hernia. So like I'm having a ton of ab pain. I'm having like a shooting pain in my... I guess, pubic region. I don't really know what the medical term is. It's not the Up, sensation you want to feel down there. No, above the penis, I guess. Right. Normally, I like that on sensation Google? below Is that the what pe- you were Googling? Yeah, above I was like, the pain penis? above the penis. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I tried going out this weekend. Me and my friends went to a Christmas pop-up bar, which, you know, 
as a Jew, I was already pretty annoyed with. So, <laughs> yeah, I, that as as the night went on, I just I kept the pain just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm now in the mode where like you brought it up and it made me think about it. I felt the pain again. Uh, like, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm for sure I'm dying. I think that the uh, if you did go see a doctor, they would probably say, all right, if you're so unfit that you do yourself an injury, air guitaring in a car <laughs> while driving from Houston to Dallas, then you probably want to ease into push-ups a few days later, <laughs> right? Like just... if, 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 if air guitaring while driving a car along the freeway from Houston to Dallas is strenuous enough for you to pull a muscle, then... You know, a, a couple of push-ups is like going straight to Olympic-level sport competition. Well, I, I was wishing for a pulled muscle, but at this point, like, I've done such little activity, and it just keeps getting worse. Like, my body, it was so unused to doing push-ups that an organ is now out of place. Right. And that's the definition of a fat-ass, people. Yeah, yeah. I did it. And that concludes uh, today's episode of I Hurt Myself today where uh, jeremy expresses that his body feels as old as johnny cash sounds on I'm, that song i'm dying folks yeah. say your goodbyes now uh i tell you also uh we had some uh, more feedback on it's so much fun to uh, talk about the fact that die hard 2 is clearly the superior die hard christmas movie and not the first one with uh, alan rickman at the nakatomi plaza um, because we spoke about that on the podcast last week and I posted a few things on social media and uh, people have been writing in. If you want to uh, communicate with us, you can go to the website for this show, didyouamerica.com or I'm always available on my socials, uh, Ian Camfield on Twitter or Camfield off the radio on uh, Instagram. Uh, fixing on it, sent a message, state your case as to why Die Hard 2 is superior the location sucks. Well, first of all, fixing on it, the location doesn't suck because both of them are Christmas movies. The first one happens in Los Angeles where it's not particularly cold for Christmas, so therefore there's nothing Christmas-esque about the weather, plus the fact most of it takes place inside the building, where uh, Die Hard 2 is all happening on the East Coast, so it's snowing, so therefore it looks Christmassy. And my overall reason why Die Hard 2 is a better movie is because if you actually analyze the original Die Hard, as good as it is, it was a low-budget movie. No one knew who Bruce Willis was unless you watched Moonlighting. I think I'm right in saying six other much more at the time famous actors were offered the role of John McClane, and they all turned it down for various reasons. No one who made that movie wanted Bruce Willis. They had to go with him because they didn't have enough money to pay genuinely famous people who kept on going, no, 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 we're not going to do it. So you had a bloke who was in a show called Moonlighting that no one thought would be taken seriously as an action-adventure star and a movie with hardly any budget, which is why, as great as that movie is, there's no real action in it. It all happens on basic studio sets that are set inside the Nakatomi Plaza or outside the building, which is an actual high-rise on a film lot in LA. Whereas you go watch Die Hard 2, they basically went, we've got a load of budget now because the first Die Hard movie was very successful, so we're going to remake that movie, but we're going to put it in an airport, and we're going to have running and jumping. I mean, there's something exploding every... There are more explosions in Die Hard 2 than at a Kiss live show, but there are planes <laughs> blowing up and bodies, like, exploding in front of you. There's special effects galore. There are about five scenes in that movie, all of which 
are on par with a typical Bond movie opening, you know, where right, they're on yeah, for skis sure. and shit like that. That, fixing on it, is why Die Hard 2 is a superior movie because it's the first Die Hard movie, but with 25 times the budget. So basically, like, six big-name actors looked at the script and were like, I don't know, this doesn't seem like a Christmas movie, and Bruce Willis was like, I got this. I'm balding, I need the work. Well, yeah, I think Chris... Well, also, Bruce Willis was like, I need to break out of doing a weekly TV show. I mean, I, you know, I'm big on 80s TV. I don't think I ever watched... Uh, what was it he was in? It's the show with Sybil Shepherd, isn't it? Uh, I think Moon- you said Moonlighting. I've, Moonlighting. I've honestly never even heard of right, it. Right, see? I'm still caught up on Street Hawk, so... Don't tempt me to go <laughs> off on a Street Hawk tangent. There is, there, there, there is George Clooney news today, and anytime George Clooney's mentioned, forget your oceans, whatever bullshit. Street Hawk, baby. Yeah. No so one cares about ER. We care about Street Hawk. Street Hawk, baby. Um... Yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, loads of other people wanted to... Uh, Alan Rickman took that part playing Hans Gruber. And again, I'm not saying any of this was bad. It was a great, great movie. But Alan Rickman probably went, oh, I've got to do some low-budget action movie because there's no Shakespeare work at the moment. <laughs> like, he was playing Hans Gruber going, I can't... With this got this stupid bloke from the Sybil Shepherd show in front of me. He's going to dangle me over the side of the building. Can we get this bit over and done with? I've got Hamlet to get back to. I'm a serious actor. Nothing good is going to come of this low-budget movie, right? Just you wait, Rickman. Yeah, well, of course. And 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 it was a great movie, so it was very successful. But I still say that uh, uh, Die Hard 2 is the same movie, but with way more budget. Um, Andy says, even Bruce Willis says it's a bad movie. Die Hard 3 is superior to Die Hard 2. I said this last week. Forget what the talent says. They've got no idea. Right. And he the- also says that it's not a Christmas movie, which everyone agrees it is. Bruce Willis says that? He said it when he had his Comedy Central roast. He he said that it's not a Christmas movie. And so, by the way, so does the cinematographer of the movie. But that's another story. Transfer Driver says Christmas Vacation beats Die Hard. It's been so long since I've seen Christmas Vacation. I don't remember. That's Chevy Chase, right? Yeah, here's an unpopular opinion. That's my least favorite of all the vacation movies. Why? Uh, well, mainly because I'm Jewish and I don't give two shits about Christmas. But also it's because... the second time you brought that up in this episode. <laughs> your your you know friends what? made you go to a Christmas market at the weekend. It's just, it, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Christmas. It's become so much more than just a Christian holiday. Like, it's a, it's a worldly event. Right. Oh my God, just get over yourself. We have the superior holiday. It lasts eight days. (laughs) Right. We have way more presents. Yeah. Um, So basically, uh, that was the. the, Oh, uh, Corey Johnson said um, it goes one, two, three, and then it ended. Um, As in, like, I think he's saying the. He can't count to four. (laughs) Well, who cares? No, he's. No, okay. He's referring to the. Die Hard movies, right. right. Well, no, incorrect, Corey Johnson. It goes two. This is in order of how. (laughs) Right. From best to worst. It goes two, one. The rest. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're all just, all the rest are just tied in one jumble of horribleness. Yeah, yeah. because by the time three came around, it was taken very seriously because it was a big franchise and uh, Bruce Willis was a big movie star. So when they cast uh, Jeremy Irons, he's in three, right? Right. As like the baddie, he's playing it way too seriously because he knows he's got so much attention on him. 
You, what you want is like Alan Rickman, who can't wait to just get back to playing Shakespeare. And then oh, the other reason, as I said this last week, why two is so great is because all of the extra stars were people that were guest stars in all of my favorite 80s action shows. <laughs> because they basically went, let's just get the... But people that are just used to like guns, fights, and car chases in whatever 80s action TV show they're right. in. We're going to make a two hour big screen version of that with an awesome budget, and we're going to call it Die Hard 2, right? And they go, What's that? It's the same as Die Hard 1, but it's got several more zeros behind the budget. That, everybody, is why it's a superior movie. <laughs> Die Hard 2, colon, seeking Camfield's attention. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, I, uh, the rest of them are fine. I don't, I don't, care for the rest of them because they weren't Christmas movies um, and I, I guess well Bruce Willis is 65 that's early sure. 60s now uh, he's got one more in him and it should be a Christmas movie and much the same as both Die Hard and Die Hard 2 finish right there should be masses of explosions and stuff and he saves the day and then he gets driven away in something and let it snow, snow starts playing that is the way all <laughs> Die Hard movies should finish because that's how they finish in 1 and 2 so, right? you, so you think that even after he totally sold out and brought back the character for a battery commercial this year, that he could still go back and make a decent movie out of it? Did the battery commercial finish with Let It Snow? I don't believe it did. Well, then he hasn't finished properly, has he? <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Um, we got some Texas news uh, to get to. Uh, there's a bunch of Texas news today. Uh, first of all, Elon Musk is going to move to Texas. Now, he's already moved um, the Space Force to Austin, or he's going to. Is that correct? Uh, I think, well, I think because, you know, there's the, uh, the launch go, he, sites in Houston, right. so I'm sure they have some oh, I presence just, I, I just thought it there. was because he wanted to go to space without paying any tax. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's why he's coming here. Because there's no tax right. in, in Texas, right? <laughs> I, I'm gonna go to, I want to go to space, but I want to make it tax-free, yeah. so I'm going to move to Texas, right? Sounds like a good plan. Um, now... I'm all for this, uh, you know, uh, moving um, more business into the great state of Texas. We're all about the business here. We're all about capitalism, which is the best system, kids. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. Or you're a communist. Absolutely. Um, actually, that's another great thing about Die Hard 2 while I, while I remember it, right? So they've got, like, the military people who've effectively gone bad to break the drug dealer out of jail. And... Um, one of the guys is a fake famous for winning wars in the military, even though he's gone bad, but you don't know this at this point. And he's going through the airport and this news TV reporter goes up to him and wants a, wants like a quote about something. And he just brushes her aside and goes, leave me alone, you fucking pinko. <laughs> You're right. This two is better than one. <laughs> <laughs> they were, see, they were shouting down communism. There's no anti-communist message in Alan Rickman. No. no. <laughs> if anything, that's very pro-communist. <laughs> Shots fired, Rickman. Um, so, but however, so I'm all about, you know, Elon Musk uh, with his Teslas and all, and all this kind of stuff. Jeremy does have a theory, though, that Elon Musk is a real-life Bond villain. So I'm wondering <laughs> how you feel about his uh, pending move to the great state of Texas. Yeah, not thrilled. Like you, I'm all for California companies moving for, to Texas. Sure, it's kind of brought in an influx of stupid people into our state, but... You know, it's kind of like a ha-ha, we beat you when all their companies decide that it's better to be in Texas than California. Right. That being said, it's not just Elon Musk. All these billionaires that are becoming famous are all in the mold of a supervillain. I'm talking Bezos. I'm talking Zuckerberg. And yes, I'm talking Elon Musk. 
he has the capabilities to do exactly what every supervillain has done in every bad guy role ever in every movie ever. It is true. If you put a cat on his lap and shave that head, he's a bad guy. The guys released flamethrowers to the world and we all laughed and took it as like, oh my God, like what a fun thing. He's like giving his people the weaponry for his eventual takeover. And guess what people, we do not have a James Bond on our hands. We do not have a Superman hiding in the corner. We're alone with these supervillains and we're just giving them more money day by day. It is time we take down Elon Musk before he kills us all. I'm thinking of, um, cause the, uh, the new Bond that's finally coming out next year. The Never Say Never Again? Oh, yeah, it's the remake of Never <laughs> right, Say Never right, Again. Right, okay. Don't get me sidetracked on that. <laughs> you are teasing me massively today. I try and not go down massive sidetracks of things that I think only I'm entertained by. Street Hawk definitely might come into that category. <laughs> You're tempting me with a Street Hawk tangent based on George Clooney that's probably making no sense to anyone listening right now. For like the six people my mom who listens consistently, this these jokes are for them. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so Freddie Mercury's the new Bond villain, right? Yeah. So he looks like Elon Musk. Not Freddie Mercury, but the no, guy he's who not played gonna, but Freddie he's not Mercury. Gonna be, yeah, but he's not going to be Freddie. But that's the thing, though. I, that's what's it, Rami Malek, right? Freddie Mercury. It's the, well, that's the thing. It's a genius move for him because it, he's going to be Freddie Mercury forever unless he really makes a great, great job of this Bond villain, right? Because otherwise, because even to the extent that I think he did such a good job of playing Freddie Mercury, if um, someone in the movie world suggests, oh, you know, there's a role for whatever. Why don't we get Rami Malek? And then someone else probably goes, but he's got those teeth. <laughs> and they go, no, they were for Freddie Mercury. He doesn't really, really have the teeth. <laughs> oh, I bet when the, when the Bond people called up Rami Malek and said, listen, we're interested in you for the Bond villain. He goes, oh, okay. How big are the teeth? <laughs> He's like, hello, then we're looking bring, for Mr. Mercury. Bringing back Jaws from the Roger Moore movies. <laughs> Remember Jaws, who's got the teeth, who bites everyone? That, see, it's, that, it's rabbit, that's what they're doing. They're rebooting Never Say Never Again. <laughs> and the, and the, but the villain in the new Bond movie is going to be a rebooted version of Jaws where Rami Malik is wearing his Freddie Mercury teeth because if any teeth could bite you in the neck and kill you, it's going to be there. It's those teeth, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yes, Rami Malik, Elon Musk... You, you actually, yeah, if you think about it, just Elon Musk doesn't need any makeup or anything. He, with that wealth and those kind of lofty ambitions, you if you put him at the base of a volcano with a cat on his lap, <laughs> it, it, yeah. He's well, a supervillain. Yeah, 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 I mean, like, we're all just laughing, like, ha-ha, he shot a Tesla into space and it's traveling around Mars playing David Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> more like he's creating satellite weaponry to take us all down. I'm starting these Elon Musk conspiracies. I will not end until he's gone. Yeah, you might uh, you might be onto something uh, yeah. there. Um, also, uh, before we get into Song of the Week, let's just do a uh, quick follow-up on Mayor Adler. Um, now, the, that's the Guns N' Roses drummer? Well, well, on uh, Thursday's episode, the previous episode to this, we spoke about the fact that the mayor of Austin had uh, made this Facebook video 
telling the people of Austin that uh, COVID rates were uh, on the rise and basically they should stay home as much as they possibly could. The only thing being, he made the video while in Mexico at his daughter's wedding. <laughs> Awarding him the jabroni of the week title. Right, so he's now penned an open letter to apologize for his trip to uh, Carbo. And um, he says, uh, you know, he set a bad example. He's got to earn the public's trust back. Now, when I first saw this, I just thought, you typical lying politician scum, because it's like a... I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, apology. It would be one thing if he just said, look, I screwed up and it was a do as I say, not as I do example, and I'm sorry. But he didn't do that. He couldn't stop there. He basically, if you read the apology, says that he got so caught up in trying to make sure that everything was COVID safe on his private jet and at his daughter's wedding and was so obsessed with making sure that the COVID safe precautions were in place that he just lost his mind for a minute and didn't think about what he was doing when he posted the video from the wedding in Mexico saying, hello everyone in Austin, please don't leave your house for the next month because COVID's rampant. See, what I think happened is he took the standard mayoral apology letter for like when they have their dick out and tried to <laughs> fill in the blanks for like the COVID apology. It just didn't fit, you know? It's not the same apology. Well, but then I was reading this and I'm thinking, well, actually, is this kind of a double bluff scenario? Because he says in the letter he did not see the more important and greater issues because he was too focused on making sure that Sarah, his daughter, Sarah's wedding and my family's trips complied with local and state orders and guidelines. Now, I think that uh, Mayor Abbott is an intelligent person and I think that he has deliberately issued this statement so people like us start going, well, you know, it's just a I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry kind of bullshit half-assed response. Because what he doesn't want anyone talking about any further is the fact that since 1991, he has been stealing royalty checks from the other Stephen Adler, who's famous, the drummer on Guns N' Roses' first album, Appetite for Destruction. This was a theory that we had on Thursday's podcast episode, right? I think we just uncovered that it's no longer a theory. I, I, well, I think this is a double bluff. He wants to take everyone off the scent of that idea and just promote the fact that, you know, get into a, th oh my God, I can't believe how two-faced he is. These are double standards, blah, 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 blah. When in actual fact, since about 1991, the re you think that he's a successful businessman. That's why he's got millions and he can fly around on a, on a private jet. Meanwhile, Stephen Adler, the original drummer in Guns N' Roses, was so poor that he had to get his own mother to start a cooking YouTube channel <laughs> so she could afford rent and he had a basement to live in, right? I mean, normally mayors don't make enough money for private jets. You, you, you might be onto something But if you, if you add some publishing on Sweet Child of Mine, Welcome wow. to the Jungle, Paradise City, etc., that might fuel a private jet, right? I, I think so. So back to you, Stephen Adler. You thought that I was going to get all right wing on you and start going Democrat politicians <laughs> saying this, but doing something. No, 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 no. I will not rise to this Fox News OAN news network bait 
that you have thrown at me to try and turn this into a political podcast because I know that you just want to throw everyone off the scent of the fact that you've got 30 years and therefore millions and millions in royalties that should have gone to the other Stephen Adler from Guns N' Roses. Yeah, go ahead, Steve Adler. Just make up the COVID coronavirus and get us all off the scent of what you've been doing to the real Steven Adler all this time so you don't have to get your penis out and embarrass yourself like most mayors do. We're on to you. Now, that's two conspiracies in a row we're pushing. Elon Musk needs to go, and Steve Adler is ruining Steven Adler's life. And I don't think these are conspiracies. I think people need to get behind it. We are changing the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd be happy with the ratings of Alex Jones. <laughs> um, let's uh, before we get into part two do the results of uh, song of the week you can vote on digiamerica.com slash song we've got some new songs to uh, debut for you in just a few minutes you can also vote on twitter I'm uh, at Ian Canfield on twitter uh, last week Jeremy had 1995 by Juicy J that song got 2% of the vote oh you're all androids New York producer, Chills by Grandma, 8% of the vote. Oh, okay. So we got a big winner. Hate Breed might have had something to do with the fact that I know Jamie Juster, their singer. I might have sent him a message going, can you put this out so we can, you know. We need some of that pasta. I did say to him, because he did. I was disappointed that when we put it on Twitter initially, there was no response. I gave it a few days and then DM'd him and basically said, for fuck's sake. I spend five minutes on my podcast promoting your pasta and you can't even get this out there. I'm promoting you, your new Hatebreed Send us song. a box or two. Uh, so yeah, Cling to Life by Hatebreed uh, without any kind of Russia collusion. 90% of the vote. Uh, stop the count. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have uh, some uh, music news to get to and also this week's Song of the Week suggestions coming up in part two. Don't forget... Anytime you want to reach out to the show and communicate, uh, you can find everything relating to us at didyouamerica.com. All right, let's do part two of uh, Did You America. New songs for you to vote for on Song of the Week. You can vote at didyouamerica.com slash song, or we will have this poll on my Twitter. If you want to go to Twitter, I am at Ian Canfield. Uh, Jeremy, your choice for this week is... I went with The Captain is Drunk by Jack Johnson. Uh, New York producer wants It's Not Over by Joe. You probably should have read this before. I huh? should have read it before. Um... <laughs> What's it called? I'm Not Alone. Clobocop. Clobocop. C H L O B O C O P. Clobocop. 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 It's Clobocop. Okay. Don't know them. Yeah, me neither. Should I be familiar with their work? I'm not. No. Um, probably would be better if just Robocop made a song. I would listen to that a lot way before Clobocop. Uh, and I'm going to go with uh, Sucker Punch by You Me at Six, who are uh, a good bunch of Brits who I know who are putting out a new album soon and that's the new song from it okay well that was a well presented uh, three song option with me not sure how to promote <laughs> this, this maybe is why I don't have a job on the yeah. radio anymore for all you programmers out there <laughs> <laughs> see I've got out of practice I used to know how to present music and introduce songs and stuff like that Clobocop
<laughs> We're gonna get a message that's gonna be like it's pronounced chalop bob. <laughs> Clobo cop. Uh, it's not over. New York producer's choice. The captain is drunk by Jack Johnson. Jeremy's choice. Sucker punch by Yumi at six. My choice. Didyouamerica.com slash song if you want to vote or go to Ian Camfield on Twitter. And you can cast your votes there. Uh, one other bit of Texas news uh, for you today. When I first moved to uh, the great state of Texas, I, I came over to interview um, for the job that I was getting in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. And whenever anyone um, heard my accent, they asked what I was doing. And I said, oh, I'm here to interview about a job. And whether it was someone who was... Um, at the radio station that I was going to join or they were working the diner at the airport or a Lyft driver, everyone said, oh, here's a great place to be because even if there's a downturn in the economy, there's so much money in Dallas and that whole Texas spirit, we always bounce back. And this is pre-COVID. So now we're kind of at, hopefully at the tail end of COVID and the vaccine's coming and things are getting you know back to somewhat normal. Now's the real sort of testing point to see whether or not all of those people, everyone from radio executives to Lyft drivers saying, yeah, DFW, we got all the money. We'll always bounce back first in an economic downturn. Now's the time to see if, if this is true. Here's a bit of evidence that suggests it may be. At a time when lots of other businesses are going under, and people are struggling to pay their bills and their rent and such like. Today, in Dallas, a new tickle bar is opening. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Apparently, the people of DFW are still wealthy enough that if they like being tickled, they will pay to go to a bar where someone will tickle you. I mean, I'm not one to kink bash, but do people actually like getting tickled? I, like, is there an area in the place where people just, like, piss their pants? Because that's what happens to most people when they get tickled nonstop. You know, there's nothing about piss in their press release. They should probably add something. They do. They're very uh, enthusiastic to point out that in no way is this a, a front for prostitution. Mm, sure. Uh, I, you know, like, sometimes you see some really dodgy-looking massage parlors and you, you kind of got an idea of what's going on in there. These people are going, no, the this is just uh, tickling. Just tickling. I will be taking the anus tickle today. I, uh... <laughs> it's on the menu. Secret menu. Yeah. The, the, the anus tickle is the version of the animal style uh, in an outburst. <laughs> right. Oh, my the God. <laughs> Imagine if uh, you oh, go to the, the, the new tickle bar in DFW and you go, uh, I'd like the uh, the animal style. What's uh, You know, like animal style, like it in and out, kind of. Well, you know, that's like the secret menu. Yeah. Well, I want the animal style tickle. Well, I don't really know what you're... All right, I want the anus tickle. Just take your fist and shove it up my bite. <laughs> there is no mention of a secret menu or the word anus or piss we yeah, just made their you, business you, so you, much you, better you, you might be starting your own rival version yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jeremy's tickle shack they claim that you can pay uh 25 to uh, sorry you can pay for between 25 and 50 minutes depending on how much tickle it takes to uh i'm only gonna need five <laughs> 40 for the shorter session 60 for the longer one um and um, oh, and there, this well, this is the only thing that makes me go. Oh. 
you got an option of shirt on or shirt off. Oh. So you can disrobe and get tickled, or you can go in. Little Caesar's rules. Yeah. Yeah. It's either, you know, they they have no rules there, but you need to have your shirt on at all times. Right. Little Caesar's rules. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. You get it. I understand. I'm just thinking about the secret menu of the animal animal style. Yeah, it's it's there. I mean, like, if they're not going to have a secret menu for prostitution, their business is flawed. That's the whole point of getting into the tickle game is to have secret sex everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't, um... I well, I was you know I've 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 never been to anywhere that has the the the, the dodgy massages, but I've I've been to places where I have got a great story about surprise massage. This is my this is my favorite massage experience, and this is maybe taking it down a few notches from Jeremy's you know piss and ass play um, <laughs> example. I had to take it there. I'm but sorry. I um I went to get reflexology one time at, at a place, and um I booked forty five minutes. And if you get the reflexology done right, it can be very relaxing. You know, you get your feet washed in one of the bowls of water and then they, you know, they'll start playing with your feet. And I don't know if I necessarily buy into the idea that all the different parts of your feet relate to different parts of your body, but that's the idea. Like if they, if they rub a certain part of your foot and it's sensitive, right, and it right. relates to a certain part of your body. It's like body. the same thing as like acupuncture or pressure points, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Pressure, but the, the, the pressure points are, are, in this case, are all in your feet. Um and uh, so I, I guess I booked, I think I booked an hour reflexology, right? And I think uh, the and the lady, do, I mean, if you just want to go for the relaxation aspects of it, you're in a sort of a reclining armchair and, and, it, and it's great. But I think even the lady was thinking, Jesus Christ, this bloke's booked an hour for me to basically play with his feet. I'm, spo- <laughs> I'm supposed to extend this whole idea that different parts of the feet relate to different parts of the body. I can't possibly stretch out this BS for a full 60 minutes. So right? I'm going to have to go to the ankles eventually. Well, no, so she'd gone to the ankles. We'd done ankles. And then we were about 45 minutes and she said, um, do you want to finish with a back massage? So I said, yeah, okay. So we leave the reclining uh, armchair room and we go to one of the other rooms where there's a, a full massage table on, right, right there, right? And she goes, okay, just lay down with your head in the thing there. Now, I'm expecting fi- 15 minutes of, you know, just shoulder and back massage. Of course. I put my head forward. I've got my eyes closed. I'm super relaxed after 45 minutes of, uh, you know, f- f- foot tickling, might as well have been. <laughs> Next thing I know... The little Asian lady is walking on my back. Oh no! Without <laughs> warning. Oh no! That you don't do that. So I'm all relaxed, and but but it was the greatest thing. Really? Oh my god! Pre- like I wanted it to go on forever. It, <laughs> what that to me was the ultimate happy ending. <laughs> After 45 minutes of, pl- of 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 doing you know reflexology that may or may not have any kind of medical benefit with my feet, the fact I thought I was just going to get her hands rubbing my shoulder and my back, but no, she was hopped up on the table and walking on me. Oh, so good. What, I mean, like that has to be so scary though. The shock of that i mean like if i'm letting someone walk on my back i don't care how small they are i'm making them get on the scale first i need at least 110 or lower before you hop on me (laughs) well the one thing i would say about it is that there is something to be said for doing it when you're relaxed after you've had the foot massage because i loved it so much that the next time i went back 
I basically asked for the same thing, but the other way around. I said, I want 45 minutes of back walking and then you can give me 15 minutes of this reflexology because I'm all about the back walking, right? But because they started with the back walking and I'd had no reclining and foot massage, it was agony. Oh, I bet. Like I <laughs> wanted to be, I was going to ask her to stop, but I'm there like, going, oh, oh, ah, ah, and she's going too hard, too, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna... faster, harder, <laughs> and um, and uh, I uh, and I just I was like, Ian, you just got to man up and get through this. You've paid cash, like it, you've got right. There's no turning back now. But the point is, if they said it was twenty dollars to go in and have my feet tickled, and then and then they went. Do you want 15 minutes of walking on your back? Then you'd be in, right? <laughs> See, that's, I think that might have been what happened with Robert Kraft. You know, he paid all this money cash, and then he was like, I've gone too far. I have to finish. <laughs> the Robert Kraft story, the thing that I found most shocking about that is it must be a kink of his to want to go to those types of places in a strip mall because if you want to get that type of massage... You don't have to have anywhere near his amount of money to order someone to your hotel room to do the massage and give you the happy ending. Why would you go to... The, part of the whole thrill of being so rich, Robert Kraft-level rich, right, is that you can have anything you want and you can have it delivered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything. I think it was more like the shopping center it was at. Like, it probably had, like, a restaurant he really liked next door. And he was like, oh, well, well I'm waiting for my no, order. No, 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 hang on. No, 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 no. Again, no disrespect to the Asian massage places, but when have you seen one of those $10 foot rub places in a strip mall that's next to the kind of high-end restaurant that Robert Kraft would eat at? Good point. You know, most most strip malls in Florida even, don't have spectacular restaurants. You're not even going to find a Bath and Body Works next door. You <laughs> got, he can't even say, "Well, I popped in to get a foot rub because I wanted to get intense mahogany teak with it on Candle Day next door." You have no idea what candles they were burning in there. It could have just brought him in. All of a sudden, he was drunk on candles. You've been there. You know that feeling. I, I don't know. I, I well, yes, that is true. I, but I do. I still. That, that's the thing. I not that he did that, but that he did it at. Uh, you know, a strip mall when it, that could have just been a paid for high end engagement okay. sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, right, basically. There must be some kind of kink aspect to him on the day of the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, wasn't yeah. It? And know? again, you know, I said this before here at Did You America, we do not kink bash, but no, it is definitely a weird kink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some might say it's more wholesome than going into the new tickle bar and saying you want the, what did you call it, the anal tickle? <laughs> yeah, the, the tickle of the anus. The anus. <laughs> <laughs> they have to cover it up, you know? Make it like, you know, when you go to, when you go to, um... What's the Swedish store with all the furniture? What? Ikea. Ikea, right. Like all their products, it's not just called bed. It's called like the Hoofenfluke. <laughs> That's what they do here. It's like the Unus Tukling. That's where you get a fist up your butt. All right, music news. Rolling Stone's best albums of 2020 are out. Uh, Jeremy will now uh, review the best albums of the year, according to Rolling Stone magazine. Well, based on uh, my result in the song of the week category, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I, uh, I have a weird opinion about the state of music in 2020. And I think this list kind of shows a lot of it is, uh, 
I guess you could say meh. Not very good. Not very good. No. So, so uh, the, the best album of the year, according to Rolling Stone, is Folklore by Taylor Swift. Your problem with Taylor Swift is? I mean, Taylor Swift is, uh, I get it. Like, we all have to be, uh, you know, oh, she's the strong woman and she's doing so much for the music industry. Like, in the end, if you're a 16-year-old, unless you're a 16-year-old girl, you don't like Taylor Swift. You can act like you like Taylor Swift, but you just don't. Okay. Kanye West was right. Um, Fiona Apple. Now, I will say that, so her album, the second best album of the year, is called Fetch the Bolt Cutters. That, that does strike me as a potential name of an album by Cannibal Corpse if they'd run out of ideas. <laughs> right. right? I, you know, I just think with Fiona Apple, like, if you, uh, if you want to take her career, uh, seriously, name five Fiona Apple songs that aren't criminal from the 90s. I was just about to say, I know criminal. Yeah. Um, she, she's the definition of, like, if you're hipster, you're cool, so you like this, but no one actually kn- knows what she does. And even in the 90s, she desperately really wanted to be Tori Amos. Right? <laughs> right. She just happened to stick around, I guess, in the hipster realm to land the number two album in 2020. I, I don't see Amos on this list. Uh, but no, unless you're, you know, like with Taylor Swift, 16-year-old girls like her, 16-year-old emo girls like Fiona Apple, I yeah, guess. I also think Fetch the Bolt Cutters for Fiona Apple is a very misleading album title she's cutting dicks is what's happening there what okay <laughs> so number three on the list we'll just skip over I that might just, uh, you might just handle the rest of this segment I'm cutting dicks? <laughs> my god what's the name would of the, you what? not would you not imagine fiona apple being that type okay. like aggressively hates men <laughs> uh, maybe i don't know okay so number three on the list bad bunny you know i no uh, i don't know yeah, no, I don't either. I don't. I couldn't name one single Bad Bunny song, but apparently he had the number three album this year. Right. Okay. Number four. Number four, Bob Dylan. Um. I, okay. Bob Dylan has never learned how to sing. He's clearly rough and rowdy ways was no uh, tangled up in blue. Right. You know, I think uh, at this point we know Bob Dylan is better kept as a writer and nowhere near a top 50 albums. Does no one listen to Bob Dylan's album this year? Right. No one. Unless it was for a joke. I Um, also hear that Bob Dylan's so bad live that even when he's playing the big songs, it's like a guessing game. You know, like old radio stations used to play Beat the Intro where you'd call in and have to say what the song was before the vocals came in? People pay good money, $100 a ticket or whatever it is, to go to Bob Dylan. And sometimes it's like, not beat the intro, but just guess the song. You could get all six minutes of Like a Rolling Stone, and his rendition of it is sometimes so bad that if you're in the audience, you can't tell that he's doing one of his biggest songs. Bob Dylan is so bad that his best songs are always made better by other people, whether it's All Along the Watchtower, I Shall Be Released. You know, like, there's so many examples of it, like, oh, no, his version was really bad once um, Jimi Hendrix... The band Nina Simone took it over is when we realized these songs are great. Uh, Dua Lipa and Lady Gaga, you got some issues with them? I don't have issues with them. It's just, you know, more with, with Dua Lipa, I mean, like, God, she is just wonderful to look at, but I have just never heard her voice ever. I couldn't tell. All of a sudden, she has a number five album this year. What am I missing? Am I missing all these songs? I listen to radio. I'm not hearing it. Mm-hmm. Lady Gaga, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for Lady Gaga. I think she is very talented, but, like, I think you can take... A, a number of women on this list, a number of pop artists, I should say, whether it's Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, 
do we have to give them all individual parts on this album list? Can't we all just give them like one slot? They're all the same album. <laughs> and then um, some of the other stuff, I guess is the same point that you'd make about Bob Dylan, just in terms of old artists who are way past their best. Cause they've included ACDC's uh, latest album, uh, McCartney's uh, McCartney three and uh, letter to you by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Th those Three are three of the greatest rock acts of all time. But I think even they know this music at this point is only for them. No one's actually listening to it. So why even put it out? Yeah. Why waste the time? I remember uh, I interviewed Paul McCartney once and uh, I wasn't asking anything to do with this. But any time that he can get a reference to his new music into a story about the Beatles or something that people actually want to know about, he'll, he'll, he'll do it. So he had some album called, I think it was called The Fireman or something like that. It was it was meant to be sort of an experimental, almost indie, deliberately alternative, okay. you know, type album. And um, oh, you know, I mean, uh, I'll spend ten minutes telling you about Hey Jude, but let me just say, but then at my live show, we go into a new song from the Fireman album, and the fifteen-year-old kids down the front, they're just loving it so much, and there is this kind of um, urge to stay relevant. And a denial that, no, I think 95% of the people that are in the audience at your show have just gone there for the na 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 bit. Right. right. Of course. You know? Yeah, I like the idea that he's like, you know, he, like you said, he wants to force his new stuff into talking about, even when he's talking about also the Beatles. So he's probably like, you know, that song I came out with Kanye a few years ago, originally me and Paul, me and John wrote that up, but I decided it sounded much better with his modern voice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's also another McCartney story today. Um, so there's a new documentary that's coming out uh, that Peter Jackson has made. And um, McCartney's happy with this because he said, that this new movie is proof that he didn't break up the Beatles. And even more so than wanting to stay relevant as an actual artist, making new music and, and convincing himself that people care about the new songs. I think Paul McCartney's main aspiration in life has always been that he is the nice Beatle and that everyone loves him. And, and if you never, ever, ever see any negative publicity about Paul McCartney because he's got this kind of ring of steel around his world that if you're allowed into it or you do interviews with him, nothing that he says or does can ever be portrayed as negative. So even now, all these years later, the Beatles broke up at the end of the 60s. He's still concerned. Do you think people still think that I broke the band up? <laughs> do you think, do you think that, and, and, and so oh there's a new documentary coming out that says I didn't break up the Beatles let's talk about that like he's obsessed with just and he's great at doing it because when you're as famous as Paul McCartney and there's that, that level of interest in you I think it's very difficult to um, um, you know to make sure that everything is always positive about you but I'll ask you this anyone listening right now when was the last time you read a negative story about Paul McCartney you just don't no no literally never I mean I see him as like the most happy-go-lucky person on earth which always kind of makes it weird when you hear the rumors of you know him causing the split from the Beatles because like you can't imagine him yelling at anyone well very for people in the music industry and again it never really gets reported and we might have our podcast cancelled for what I'm about to say but no, some don't people, do it but some people will say to you oh you know McCartney can be a bit of an a-hole like but but you never that 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 never gets reported like he 
Well, I, I almost expect that uh, uh, he didn't do this, but I almost expected that when I walked through the door of his office to meet him for an interview about a Beatles reissue, the first thing he was going to say to me was, who's your favorite Beatle? <laughs> like, <that's> like, <laughs> and then when you said John, he just stabbed you and left the room. <laughs> I mean, this... Um, Documentary has been a long time in the making. I wonder if it's just because they have to keep going back to McCartney for approval of like, and he's like, no, I don't look nice enough yet. Make me nicer, make me nicer. Right, like they delayed it because there's a scene in it where he's just standing over Ringo screaming in his face, but like it comes in like the karate dubbing in where it's just McCartney today being like, this fight is not caused by me. I did not break up the Beatles. It was all John and Ringo and George. No, I did not kill them. So they would never be able to tell the real story. Conspiracy number three. There's so, um, but as I said, it's very impressive the way that he, he does protect his, his, his image. And one of the ways they do it, and I saw this when I went to interview him, is uh, so he's got offices in London. He's got a, a, a private company. And um, when you sit with McCartney, um, the first thing he does is he really, the other thing is he really likes to make himself out to be a man of the people, someone who's kept in touch with his blue collar roots, which again is another way of projecting this I'm a nice guy, right? Right. So, Straight after he says, "Who's your favorite Beatle?" <laughs> that didn't happen, but yeah, I, sure. Well, but this genuinely did happen. He's got a um, uh, he's got cutlery out on the table where you're going to sit, right? And he does, and I bet he does this to everyone. It happened to me. I bet this happens to everyone. He goes, "Do you want a cup of tea?" Right? Of course. And I said, "No, thank you." And he goes. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me make you a cup of tea. And so I said, oh, okay. And then he says, uh, do you take milk? And I said, uh, yeah, just a little bit. And I, the, the Americans probably wouldn't know this phrase, but it's known as a builder's tea because builders have their tea strong, like okay. not much milk to right, water right. it down. So in England, that's no, so he goes, oh, builder's tea. And it suddenly occurred to me, Paul McCartney's doing this whole act because he wants me to go back on the radio like I'm doing now on the podcast and basically say to everyone, man, Paul McCartney is so down to earth. He made me a cup of tea. He knows the phrase builder's tea. He knows that it's called a builder's tea if you don't put a lot of milk in it. Right, but, but he, oh, go ahead. But I didn't like, as I said, but, but I almost took a misstep when I said I didn't want a cup of tea because you could, in his mind, he's going, use part of the no you have a cup of tea I make you a cup of tea because then you leave this interview and you say to everyone oh my god Paul McCartney made me a cup of tea he's such a great person like da 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 da, da. And, and on the way out he goes now let me ask you again who's your favourite Beatle <laughs> it's no longer John it is you Paul <laughs> John never made you a cup of right. tea did he <laughs> I just, you, you already know like he told you like oh I'll be right back I'm gonna go bring your tea and then he went to like where his kitchen staff is and he's like make the tea now the Brit doesn't want a lot of milk <laughs> disgusting <laughs> but the other thing they do so that when you get your cup of tea made by Paul McCartney and then someone sits in the corner and takes notes in shorthand of everything that he says in the interview right and it's we're recording it it's for radio and then I, I noticed this while I was waiting outside the office before I went in to interview McCartney people outside the office it's like a factory production line they go over the shorthand notes to read what he said. Not that they expect him to say something that's controversial, but they're concerned, especially for press interviews, that if he said something that if it was taken out of context could be presented as controversial, they then contact the press or whoever did the interview and go, 
I just want to make sure that you're not going to run this quote within this context because it could look bad and blah, 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 blah. So even though he's deliberately doing the make, I'll make you a cup of tea, who's your favorite Beatle type act, everything is so tightly controlled that if they think he might have said something that, again, could be taken out of context, they won't, they'll contact you and basically say, you, you can't print this or you can't use this bit as, as an isolated clip. So everything he does is so tightly controlled. And that's why the only time in my lifetime that I've ever seen any negative publicity for Paul McCartney was when David Blaine was doing his stupid fucking trick above the River Thames where he was in... Remember, he was suspended in that see-through box, right? Yeah, one of his dumb, dumb non-magic magic right, tricks. Right, we've discussed this on this podcast before. David Blaine is the magician who's not a magician. He does wacky things, but none of it's real magic. So, yeah, you kind of wonder to yourself, how can a person survive suspended in a see-through box above the Thames in London for a week or whatever it was, right? It's a, there's curiosity value, but you're hardly making the Statue of Liberty disappear. That's magic. <laughs> your, your, your box trick isn't, right? right? He's essentially evil Knievel with a ta-da at the end. Yeah, literally. And, uh, but Paul McCartney was walking along the Thames after a night out drunk one night, basically shared while there were some reporters around with cameras in a loudly drunken fashion what I just said about David Blaine and used a lot of expletives, basically going, what's this doing up there? This ain't a magistrate. What a load of crap this is kind of thing, right? Right. And the reporters who were around got this on video and it made the press the next day. And I know for a fact that straight after that, Paul McCartney's press agent, who'd worked with him for about 30 years, immediately fired. Oh, no. That is the, uh, that's the only time in my lifetime I've ever read anything that could be construed as negative publicity against Paul McCartney. So, one, that's worth noting. And two, that possibly is the only impressive magic trick David Blaine has ever done. <laughs> he managed to get Paul McCartney negative publicity. <laughs> yeah, but you also have to remember that likely wasn't the real nice Paul McCartney. That was the one that replaced the Paul McCartney who's actually dead, so... How many conspiracy theories do you want? That's number four in this episode. We're we're get, Alex Jones, uh, look out. You know what it was? It was uh, Paul McCartney, David Blaine's in the box. Paul McCartney went, who's your favorite Beatle? <laughs> and he went, John. And he just couldn't get to him because he was in the box and just sent him off. <laughs> and then he made Paul disappear. <laughs> well, Paul certainly made his press officer disappear after that. That's definitely for sure. But it's... Oh, there we go. All right, we're done with another edition of Did You America? We'll be back on uh, Thursday afternoon for those of you who listen in anything approaching, uh, approaching real time. Uh, don't forget, if you want to vote for Song of the Week, didyouamerica.com slash song, or you can go to Ian Canfield on Twitter and cast your votes. And we still got some of those uh, America t-shirts. I keep on forgetting to promote this. We need these to sell out so we can move on to our next item of merchandise, Did You America candles that will burn with the scent of freedom. All right? Uh, the uh, America t-shirts, they say the word America in bright red, white, and blue colors, and they have a tag that says Canfield America F yeah inside. I mean, and they're great, great quality because they're fully American, right? Yeah, you thought your polo shirt was nice. Wait till you uh, did you America. Yeah, your polo shirt ain't anywhere near as patriotic as these shirts. Hell no. Because there ain't nothing more patriotic than a shirt that says America on it that's marketing a podcast presented by a Brit. Yes. Didyouamerica.com for all of that. Thanks for hanging out with this one, everybody.